0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Voices from the Pews podcast, the show that invites you to conversations with Catholics of color and those from communities of non European origin so that we can get to know more about each other's faith experiences and stories. I'm your host, Lorna DeRose. Our Blessed Mother has appeared on every continent in large, bustling cities as well as in quiet, remote fountains. 490 years ago, Our Blessed Mother appeared to St. Juan Diego, and because of this apparition, we have the miraculous image of the Blessed Virgin Mary on his tilma, or cloak, which is currently in the Basilica of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico City. In this episode, We will be talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe with Sister Barbara Gutierrez of the Sisters of Notre Dame de Namur, who, from her childhood in Mexico, has had a special devotion to Our Lady. Sister will share with us the story of the apparitions to Juan Diego in 1531, the significance of this image to the Indigenous people, and the Spanish during this time of early conquest as well as its relevance to us living today in the 21st century. I hope you enjoy listening. Well, today we have a wonderful guest with us today, and her name is Sister Barbara Gutierrez. Sister Barbara is a member of the congregation of the Sisters of Notre Dame de Namur, and she is a native of Mexico City, Mexico, where she was born and raised and sister received her masters of theology at Boston College and currently she serves as the director for diversity and inclusion at Emmanuel College in Boston. Sister Barbara, thank you so much for being with us and I'm looking forward to our conversation about Our Lady of Guadalupe.
1: Thank you for the invitation. I am happy to participate in this new project and I is wonderful that you are looking for new ways to engage Catholics in the Archdiocese of Boston.
0: So thank you for the work that you do, Lorna. Thank you, sister. Absolutely. So what I would like to ask you is, many may know the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, but can you share that story with us? Yes, I'll be happy. Um, So
1: one thing that is important to know is What was happening in Mexico when she appeared? I always think the context of the history is important to consider. And this was after the conquest of the Spaniards, the arrival of the Spaniards to Mexico. So I'm just going to talk about two different points of view and two different anthropologies. Indigenous people of the central part of Mexico they believed that their existence depended on the interconnectedness of themselves with the nation, within themselves, with the nation, with earth, and with creation. So despite the human sacrifices that they did to their gods, there was harmony within the, the self of the Indian and the relationship with creation and the relationship with the human among them in the tribes, a deep respect for children. Now the Europeans at that time, they believed that the true human being was a rational individual who could conquer whatever he could set to obtain. This is about 200 years. They arrived to Mexico about 200 years after the last crusade and there was this constant competition among nations and they were discovering new lands. So anyone who did not seek to conquer was seen as an inferior uh, human being. So, uh, and then I said to anthropologists because the Europeans, they marvel about the order that they found in, in Mexico and the beauty of the Imperial city of Tenochtitlan but they were horrified and scandalized about the human sacrifice, which makes sense. Now, the Indians, they marvel at, at the, about these men you know, on horseback who arrive in, in huge moving islands, right? And they have magic weapons that could destroy it at a distance. And they were horrified by their cruelty and by their ease with which they kill men and women and children. So just to give you an idea that it was a very different point of view. The Indians were really suffering. They have lost everything. They have lost homes. They have lost their food. They have lost their religion, if you want. Uh, They have lost their self value. And it's in this population that Our Lady of Guadalupe appears. So there were five apparitions. Four of them, she appeared to San Juan Diego and one to the uncle of San Juan Diego. And the first apparition was on a Saturday, on December 9th. And so she appears to him and identifies herself. And, And San Juan Diego hears the music in the mountain and the birds Uh, singing and he is taken by that and and something very important is that it was just a down and that was a very important time of the day for the indians that's when creation will happen so right when morning was coming uh san juan diego sees uh, our lady guadalupe and that's when she calls him my little son my beloved little son and she tells her that she wants a house, a temple built in that hill and ask him to go and talk to the first Archbishop of Mexico, who was a Franciscan friar. So he goes and talks to, to him and tells her. And of course, the bishop doesn't believe him. Now, San Juan Diego told Our Lady of Guadalupe, you know, I, I'm not the person that you're looking for. And just to give you an idea of how damaged was the self-worth of the Indians, he says a a very powerful phrase. He said, I'm less than a leaf. I'm less than a leaf. Now, leaf, the Indians use them to wipe themselves when they go, they used to go to the bathroom. And I'm sorry for this description, but it is important to understand that he says, but I'm less than a leaf. So that was the word that they have, And he says, they are not going to believe me. And she said, yes, they will. So he goes. Now, isn't the same day on Saturday about 5 p.m. when he is going back home that she appears again? And he says, I told you so. He doesn't believe me. So she, uh, our lady says to Juan Diego, okay, you are going to go back tomorrow and you are going to tell him again. And Juan Diego does. I mean, he is so taken by the beauty and he's not afraid despite the fact that he knows that his mission is almost impossible. He is not afraid of going because he can feel the love. He can feel that Whoever is in front of him is is someone special. So he goes again the following day on December 10. And when he is going back, it's about 3 p.m. Our lady appears to him again. And he says again, I told you so. In fact, they have mistreated him and make fun of him. the, The guards at the gate of the palace. So... She said to him, well, uh, you are going to come back uh, in a couple of days and I'm going to give you a proof because the bishop has said to him, well, if that is true, tell our lady to give you a proof. So that's the, the third apparition. And the fourth one is on December 12. Now, uh, the uncle of San Juan Diego is very sick. And so the uncle says, can you bring the priest? Juan Diego and his family had been converted to Catholicism and they were very devout, uh, a very devout family. Juan Diego was single as as
0: much as we know
1: about him. He was about 57 years old. You
0: say he was one of the oldest who has seen an apparition of our Blessed Mother? That is correct. Uh,
1: It's as far as I know, and she, number one is is one of the few adults, but uh, he seems to be the oldest person that has witnessed an apparition. You are correct. Uh, so so long story short, he, he goes around the hill because he doesn't want to be stopped by Our Lady and Our Lady finds him. And he explained that he cannot do what she is asking at the moment because his uncle is very sick. And she says to him, do not worry. He's not sick anymore. And that brings peace to Juan Diego. And he believes that. So uh, it's in that moment that she asked him to go to the top of the hill and cut some flowers that are going to be there. The flowers were roses. Roses didn't grow up in Mexico at that time. He cuts them and puts them in his uh, tilma, which is the kind of cloak that that Indians wore on top mm-hmm. of their clothing. And when he goes back to her, Our Lady rearranged the flowers and sends him to see the bishop. So that was the fourth apparition. The fifth apparition is while he is on his way to see the bishop, Our Lady appears to Juan Diego's uncle and heals him. And uh, the rest of the story is, is better known. On December the twelfth, he goes and finally they let him see the bishop. He experienced a lot of trouble with the guards. They don't want to let him in. And not until he shows them what he's in his tilma. This is not written, but you know, I have seen it um, in some legends that every time they tried to touch the roses, they couldn't. So that's when they get a little bit scared, the guards, and let him in. And then when he sees the bishop, he says, he's the proof that that you asked me. And when he lowers the tilma, the image has been impregnated in the tilma of Juan Diego. Now, all this information was recorded in a document in Nahuatl called Nikan Mopoa. And it was written in um, 1556. It is in Nahuatl and it tells all the details of the apparitions.
0: So that's the story of the apparition. That is an amazing story because he didn't feel like he had any agency or any power. And to come in and ask to speak to the bishop and speak to him about Our Lady, that must have been a very frightening thing for him. Um, I can only imagine, you know, coming in and people just making funny or even just ignoring your presence and thinking okay some crazy guy coming in here
1: it is and and you know it speaks uh i i say that it speaks of the bishop again uh juan de sumarda who as i said a few minutes ago was a franciscan Mm -hmm. it it speaks to his kindness to the indians Mm -hmm.
0: because
1: uh he received him the first two times you know even when they made him wait a little bit and Mm -hmm. He, he received him. Sometimes I wonder if we'll have seen uh, people in the new government of, you know, uh, which was conformed by Spaniards, they probably wouldn't even pay attention. But he talks about the kindness of Juan de Zumárraga to the Indians.
0: That's unusual, and it's good to know that there were some who were kind and respected mm-hmm. the Indians then. Coming back to juan diego opening up the tilma and what the image was that the bishops and those around him saw what was that image and can you share with us what it represented to both people from spain from europe as well as to the indians themselves
1: yes when we read in the documents, it really took about a hundred years for the devotion to really took a strong hold of the people. And, and we need to think, we cannot compare that time with our time. When Michael sends you an email, the communication is instant. So what happened with the image? The image is staying in the house of the bishop. And stayed there for a while until the bishop uh, built the first chapel on top of the hill, as Our Lady had requested. So, building a chapel, you you can imagine how long that took. The image was taken there and then taken to a second chapel, and you know it was moved to different places. But I, it is important to notice that it wasn't an in, in instant devotion, although. It really created a new beginning among the Indians because it returned somehow a little self-worth. This image identified with them. The racial features are mestiza, which is the mix of the blood. Uh, that's how they call mestizos, the children uh, that were born between Spaniards and Mexica Indians. So that's an important point, her face is brown. Uh, Her face is uh, slightly inclined, which is a sign of humility. And this is despite the fact that she was, she's standing in front of the sun. Now, the sun was the greatest element in the Indian culture. You know, the sun governed over the earth and the stars and the moon. The most powerful element in the universe was the soul, the sun, and not even the emperors could stand in front of the sun. And here is this image of a woman standing in front of the sun, and you can see the rays of the sun coming behind her. So that's very important. The color of the skin is brown. She's standing in front of the sun. Her eyes, they had done studies, and they are images reflecting in both eyes. And the angle of the reflection has been studied again many times and describes uh, people in front of her at a short distance. Um, the hair, it, I mean, we know that she is the image of a virgin because among the Indians there were social norms and married woman had to wear their hair braided and hold it in the top of their head. And her hair we can see it is divided at the center and loose. So again, Mm -hmm. that was a symbol of virginity. Uh, Her hands are in the front in prayer position, which was an important element for the Europeans. And then she has a little brooch on the top of the dress and that brooch has a cross, it's very visible cross. So again, that was important for the Europeans. And the position of the brooch at the beginning of the neck is frequently where the Indians place precious stones in their idols, in the statues of their idols at the same level of the, under the neck. It has a significant for both Europeans and Indians. The belt on the dress brown uh, means that she is pregnant, which is beautiful. Now the fabric on the dress resembles European embroidery with Mexican flora. And this is where I want to talk a very special flower that is throughout the the dress that is called Cerro Corazon, which means the flower of the hill and the heart. And these flowers had a tremendous importance to the Indians. As I mentioned at the beginning, they were very connected with nature, with the creation. And um, the flower is in shape of a mountain and a heart. And seeing in the regular position, it looks like a, a hill, like a mountain, which again is important for the mountains, Were important for the Indians, important things happen in the top of the mountain. And that's why some theologians talk about the apparition of Mary and the apparition of God, uh, the apparition of God, to, you know, when Jesus goes on top to the hill. And that's uh, the significance of the flower. And then the roots of the flower tend to go to water. And in this case, they go to the mantle, which means uh, water and heaven. So that was another important meaning for the Indians. If you turn the flower upside down, it looks like a heart, which the Indians needed to believe that their gods needed that heart remained alive. And here's our lady telling them, I have the heart right here, and you don't need to give me anything to keep me alive. So there's a lot of of meaning. I could go for hours, but one of the (laughs) last uh, comments I will say is that the stars in the mantle, they have done several studies and the stars in the mantle resemble the constellations visible in the night sky in December in 1531. The year that she appeared so it's really significant i I wish i could show you this somehow but um and describing it as best
0: as i can i could probably post a picture of that along with the pod maybe put like a thumbnail and and send people in uh, a link to the image
1: yes that will be great so so that will be what i can tell you about the image the significance of the image Uh, uh, one more thing is that she's standing on the moon Mm-hmm. And again, as I said previously, in front of the sun, and that is great significance.
0: I just am amazed because these, I mean, this image, there are so many things that I think are very symbolic and held in high esteem within the various Indian cultures. But to the Europeans, there are also symbols that they too could grab onto and understand that this is the blessed mother the brooch with the cross the lady with the sun over her head and the moon at her feet and that's coming right out of the the book of revelations um, where we describe the woman clothed I forget the, the whole passage but essentially these are things that both cultures
1: with the stars. Yeah, that's right.
0: So Mm -hmm. in the stars, yes, it had, it
1: it really had a significance that
0: was attracted to both cultures. And I think that helped to begin to build a bridge in faith, um, which perhaps helped to, I don't know if it completely helped there to be a, a coexistence, but I'm assuming that there was a bridge formed in their faith and that they both cultures could say, this is my mother and this is a God I can worship.
1: Yes. And, and, and it was our lady, you know, the mother of God, the mother of the Indians. She made that clear when she tells Juan Diego, am I not here who I'm your mother? Mm-hmm. What else do you need? I mean, and you are, and I'm I'm holding you in the bosom of my arms, in my arms, in my bosom. And that, uh, again, it was very significant. There was this mother of God that they were told, but it was this mother of God that looked like them in a way that made sense to them, that had so many elements that were precious to them. So it was a new beginning because in one way it returned some dignity to the Indians uh, but also help them to believe in God, in the same God that the Europeans were talking about. So Mm -hmm. it was a very powerful element of the evangelization of the Indians, but it came with that love and with that humility, you know, more than anything humility. So. That was the meaning at that time. It was an instant. And when people said, well, why it took so long? Well, how long
0: did it take to build a chapel at that time? Right? Sure. I mean, in some cases, we know it would take a couple of generations to build you know, a church and many more to build a cathedral. So, never mind a chapel. I, I'm sure that took a long time. Yeah,
1: I mean, the Metropolitan Cathedral took a hundred years so much that you actually see a couple of different archaeological styles. So that's what it meant at that time, and what it means today. I visit the the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe every time I go to Mexico, and there are staggering demonstrations of faith. Mm. And it's a place where we all come together. Uh, One can see people with lots of money praying to her. One still can see Indians coming from the little towns away from Mexico City, young people, older people, children, all colors of people. Are there people with tattoos, you know, people who look rough? Right. So, but they are there. And, and people who look gentle, perhaps a teenager right. of a child. So it's, it's a place where everybody goes and everybody has the same value once one enters the basilica. Now, the new basilica that was built in the 70s It's a circular shape, and it has a capacity for 10,000 people.
0: That's amazing. Isn't it? 10,000 people. 10,000 people are able to enter the basilica.
1: And the shape, Lorna, it doesn't matter where you enter. You always look at her. Even if it's right from the side, you, you can still see her.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. When we're thinking about the messages, you know, for people in the 16th century when she appeared, and to us in the 21st century, you know, she is the Empress of the Americas, if you will, but she's also our mother. And I think when I'm thinking about these times that we've been going through, especially 2020, what does that say to us now during these? very difficult and turbulent and uncertain times well you know i was talking
1: recently to a group of people and soon we had a prayer service for advent and um and the role of, of mary and and is that waiting it is the love and the trust of the people just knowing that She, again, just I think the word mother encompasses everything, Mm -hmm. just knowing that she is our mother and that she is going to intercede for us with God. There's nothing you know I almost think if I did something when I was a child and I would not tell my mom because I was too afraid of my dad and I wanted my dad to tell my mom to get me out of trouble well that but 20 times more right today when we have so many afflictions and and worries and when I hear today of 300,000 people dead because of the virus out just in this country it's just knowing that our mother is is with them knowing that our mother uh, has been with them all through that process is knowing that our mother goes with the migrants when they come Mm -hmm. desperate because no one wants to leave the place where they were born it's a place with your own language when you have the neighbors when is is your food no one likes to become an immigrant
0: um
1: and she's with them. Uh, it's very difficult to explain. I, and, you know, as much as I was able to explain the history and what mm-hmm. uh, the image and the elements of the image that are important, something that I cannot exp- is the experience of being there. Right. It is the experience of the faith and the hope and the love that is felt Again, once one enters the church and, and people carry her with her. You know, it's, it's interesting to know when people in Japan, we're talking 1700s, when the missionaries go there, they ask the people to deny God. And, and the way they do it is they ask them to step into images of God. And among those images that they had for people to step in was uh, they have found images of Our Lady of Guadalupe.
0: And they had them step on yeah. those images as a way to deny
1: yeah. God. And, and, you know, she wow. was there. We're talking 1700s, but she, she was already in
0: Japan. And she was already in Japan. In Japan. Yeah.
1: Right. My own congregation, I'm a sister of Notre Dame de Namur, and in France, our congregation was established in France, and when the three, Julie uh, villard Francoise, Blaine de and Catherine de Châtel, when the three of them consecrated their life to God in 1804, mm-hmm. they were given a medal by their spiritual director, Father um, Berrien, and they, they were given a medal. Each of them got mm-hmm. exactly the same medal. And the medal is of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Now, there's also a connection to Spain as well, right? Yes. It, it, and this is important also for people to know. There was Our Lady of Guadalupe in Monterrey in Spain. And, and Hernán Cortés, one of the conquistadores, he was uh, the vote of uh, this representation of Mary. And it was... Mm-hmm. Uh, Guadalupe in in from Spain, so so the name is not exclusive. Actually, when she appeared, she wasn't called Guadalupe immediately, mm-hmm. and you know. So again, it's the merging of the two of the two worlds. But yes, there's a, Our Lady of Guadalupe from Spain, uh, which is not known today, mm-hmm. and really Mexicans had had brought. Our Lady of Guadalupe, too, all over the world. I mean, here in, in Revere, well, in, in several temples, but in Riviera, in several churches, but in Macular Conception in Revere every yes. December 12th, they bring the mariachis at 5 a.m. and they sing the mañanitas. And they used to do it also in, in Lawrence, Our Lady of the Assumption. And it's really powerful. Really powerful to go there that early with the people and the singing, and you see people crying and you see people praying to her. They bring her with them because they know she loves them because it's their mother. It's, it's that knowledge that that you are okay as long as she is taking care of you.
0: She's there and she's holding you and she's pointing you toward her son. Yes. And she's guiding you. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, having that comfort. Yes. Especially in a new country, in a new place, a new language, new food. That really helps you to feel more, not alone, not isolated and affirmed. Yes. So, so it's a
1: very strong, um, it's, it's our mother for all of us Mexican. And, and you know, there's a, a, a phrase that says, ser mexicano es ser guadalupano which translates if uh, being Mexican is being Guadalupe.
0: I mean, that we belong to, to Guadalupe. Right, but she belongs to you. So well, this has been amazing, sister. And thank you for sharing this beautiful story of Our Lady and uh, the connections that she helped make for the Indians to God and as well as to Europeans as well. And she continues to this day making the connection for all of us, um, helping us not to feel alone, not to feel isolated, helping us to understand that she's pointing us to Christ. Yes. Um, no matter where we are. Yes. Well, it, it,
1: thank you. It's, it's a, a brief moment. It's difficult to to put so much history and so much meaning and, and so many examples into a short period of time but again uh, i will just like to finish by saying you know the the basilica of guadalupe is the second most visited basilica in the world after saint peter's that
0: is amazing yes i knew it was very well visited by many um But I didn't understand it was like the second most visited basilica after St. Peter's.
1: Yes. And and it is uh, the site of the largest pilgrimage uh, in the world. About 20 million visitors a year. So, you know, and and lastly, it's all over the world. I'm just amazed of the places that I can go. And she's right there. And she is in Belgium, and she is in France, and she's in Italy, and she is in New York, and she is in Colombia and everywhere. And it's significant to me how she has bridge, is it's the bridge among the people in, in the world. And again, I'm really happy to be here and share this, and I'm sorry I'm not able to share the faith and in what it feels to be there, but it's, it's, it's impossible. So I hope uh, people who are listening have some time and opportunity to visit the shrine in Mexico city.
0: Well, one day when we're all able to travel comfortably, I'm sure people more, many more people will have that opportunity. Perhaps we can do another episode after some time, sister, about our lady, just a little bit more looking at perspectives.
1: Yes. Yes. I'll I'll be happy. We can talk a little bit more about perhaps how is she view around the world? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But I'm again, thank you very much for the invitation. It has been a privilege. It has been an honor. It's it's a privilege to talk about her, And it's an honor to talk to you. You have to be very proud of yourself for starting this new project. And uh, and thank you for the opportunity to participate
0: in it. Oh, well, sister, thank you so much. And it's a privilege to have you be my guest and share about Our Lady of Guadalupe. I think it's a blessing for me. And I'm sure for all those who hear it, it will be a blessing as well. She is a comfort to us all. And she helps to be the bridge to bring us to love God and her son, Jesus. So thanks again. Well, thank you.
1: And I wish you a blessed rest of uh, your advent.
0: I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's conversation with Sister Barbara Gutierrez about Our Lady of Guadalupe, who appeared to St. Juan Diego in 1531 in the midst of tumultuous societal upheaval and racial tension. She came to assure Juan Diego and all of us that she is our mother who cares for us and points us towards her son, Jesus. Thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.